It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman, and today I am joined by none other than Lieutenant Dan of Unintentional Grounding. He's going to be talking with me about his thoughts on this Atlanta Falcons Week 11 win over the Carolina Panthers. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, guys, you know me. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for many years on Twitter at Falcfans and, of course, the host of this world-renowned Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. And today we're going to be talking about the defensive turnaround that the Falcons exhibited and played on Sunday against the Carolina Panthers in their Week 11 win. And I'm going to be having that conversation with Lieutenant Dan Spencer, the host of Unintentional Grounding, a YouTube podcast devoted to the Falcons, does a lot of stuff, uh, football-related, draft-related, all types of stuff. We've had Dan on the podcast in the past. Dan, welcome back to the show. How's it going, guys? I hope everybody's doing well, and I hope you en- enjoy the show between myself and, and Aaron Freeman today. It's going to be a blast. Yeah, man. I, you know, I think last time I had you on uh, was in the preseason, right? And I can't even remember what we were talking about then, but you know, I think we both had a lot of, a lot more optimism, uh, going into this season, uh, at that time. And obviously that did not necessarily last too, too long heading into the season, but obviously the Falcons have, you know, come off of hard times and come out of this bye week is looking like a pretty good football team. And, you know, that has been mostly attributed to, uh, by nearly all parties, their big improvement on the defensive side of the ball. And I'm sort of curious, sort of, you know, a lot of people have been talking about, you know, how much of it has been the coaching changes or improved play calling, how much of it is just simply executing the scheme that has sort of always been there or mostly been there throughout this season. I'm curious, sort of, what camp do you fall in? How much do you sort of think it's coaching versus execution? Well, we were talking about something very similar back in 2018, where a couple of the players, namely uh, Grady Jarrett and Ricardo Allen, had some interviews with the press about how uh, some guys are just doing a little too much or trying to be superheroes. And the communication on the line with the linebackers and with the DBs seemed to be uh, not really there. Um, so there was some type of miscommunication in 2018, and I bet we can probably contribute some of what we were hearing in 2018 and what we've seen all through 2019 up until these last two weeks as the same stuff that has maybe plagued the Falcons since Dan Quinn has gotten here. So I think that in one way, um, Dan Quinn and, and company as, as the head coaching uh, staff and the front office, they've tried to relay a particular message to their players. And it just does, did, did not seem like it really went through to those players. It, it kind of fell on deaf ears. And so when the leaders of the team finally got together before the, um, before the bye week started and the whole Julio Jones discussion in the locker room and whatnot, 
They said, we, we've got all of the evidence to show that this system works offensively and defensively. We know how to do our job, but we're not executing it and we're not communicating. And I bet there's some things that we didn't hear that happened in the locker room where some guys probably told a couple other guys, hey, you need to go with the system or and stop being superheroes. Uh, and we can start to see results. And as as we have seen, we've seen some results. I think some of the coaching changes as well may have been part of this where Dan Quinn was giving that message out and the coaching staff uh, that was currently there, the players just weren't feeling it. They weren't getting that message through. It was foreign language to them. So by giving it down to guys that I think the players respect a lot and Jeff Ulbrich and, and Raheem Morris, I think they were able to digest that message a lot better because I know that you and I maybe differ on this a little bit, but Seattle in its own right before Dan Quinn got here and he was coaching there was basically a self-run team by the players. High IQ players with you know a unicorn-like athleticism that you don't yet usually see all on one team. And I think the Falcons try to copy something very similar and that message finally got lost somewhere in there. So I think it's a bit of both. The coaching and the players buying into the system, which, I mean, that probably frustrates you, Aaron, that they're finally buying into this system, and it's been five <laughs> years now. Uh, yeah, you know, look, I'll take it when I can get it uh, at this point. But it is one of those things where, you know, one of the things I, I talked about on this podcast, and, and a lot of this, you know, I think maybe I was focused a little bit more on the offense when I was talking about this, but it did seem like, you know, I think one of the issues that they were having, at least uh, – when you get into the execution thing is that their best players weren't playing their best football. We saw, you know, Desmond Trufant, obviously he missed some time, but you know, that Titans game, that Texans game, he did not play well. We saw some struggles from Ricardo Allen. There was, you know, a couple of games during that six game losing stretch where Deion Jones didn't look like the guy that he was, you know, Grady Jarrett had some quiet games. Tack McKinley was a guy that we were putting a lot of uh, pressure on to sort of, you know, be sort of the lead dog or at least the co-lead alongside Grady Jarrett with this pass rush. Uh, Adrian Claiborne was expected to to do a lot. He's turned that around the last couple of games and really dominated the last two games in a lot of ways. And, and Vic Beasley obviously being a, a player that a lot of people have been focusing on uh, throughout this offseason and heading into the season as being guys that would carry a significant load. And I feel like one of the changes – at least as far as the execution goes, is that many of those guys have been stepping up and playing much better these last couple of games. And that's led a lot to, you know, you can't really, you know, this is no slight against Devondre Campbell, but Devondre Campbell should be like the seventh best guy in your defense. And, you know, even though he wasn't necessarily playing well, you couldn't really look at, oh, there's like six or seven other guys that are clearly better than Devondre Campbell on this defense in, in several of those games that the Falcons were really struggling. And so I'm curious, you know, do you attribute that to, you know, some of these leadership questions that we've had on this Falcons defense that was a big question mark in 2018? Do you feel like these guys are starting to step up in the forefront and maybe they, you know, something happened during the bye week or the, as you mentioned, that sort of, you know, lit the fire under some of these guys to start to step up and actually play like the players that we come to think of them as I think there's two parts to this one is the fan base as a whole beginning to put unwanted pressure on the players themselves and the players are reacting to it I mean like you said not to single out Devondre Campbell but 
if there's two Falcons that I know that are constantly on Twitter and constantly saying, you know, you know, negative things and or trolling the fans, it's Devondre Campbell and, a, and another Falcon. Um, so, yeah, I think some of that outside noise may actually have entered into the locker room and they were thinking too much about the pressure that was on this team when really in reality, they just needed to go out and play ball. And I think, yeah, there's there's also maybe uh, a little bit of this idea uh, from the fans looking in, and there is some truth to it, that some of the players that are out there, um, namely guys like Campbell and Beasley, um, and you could even say in some cases Ricardo Allen, where they're not fan favorites anymore because they're not constantly making plays. And I always say this all the time. You don't need a million superstars playing at an elite level on your roster because a it's that's first of all, you can't do that. It's, it's, it's impossible to be able to hold on to all of those players, you know, contracts and cap. But second of all, uh, there's no way to draft and acquire all of those players and constantly uh, perform at that high level. There's always going to be mistakes. So Ricardo Allen, actually, Dan Quinn said something very, very interesting today. You know, having Ricardo Allen come in, play the strong safety position and get closer to the box. He was able over these last two games to communicate much better with the linebackers who then pass that information across. And then they were able to back up and talk to the corners and DBs. And that's maybe, you know, something also with Ulbrich and, um, and Raheem Morris, where that communication level, they've talked about it for uh, two, three, four weeks now and finally comes to fruition over these last two games. I think just communication really, um, people don't want to hear that. Like they want to hear that these players have gone super saiyan, but that's, that's not the reality. The reality is, is that simple things like communication can be, you know, uh, a season killers and they finally found that communication. So it's, it's a, it's a bit of the players. Yes. Stepping up a little bit, but also playing in new roles that allow that communication to flow seamlessly instead of being blocked. So we're going to come back and talk a little bit more about this Falcons defense and talk a little bit about Dan's, you know, what players that he really enjoyed watching these last couple of weeks. But before we get there, I want to let everybody know that you guys should be treating yourself to a meal that you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code Locked On. And if you're listening on the go, you can visit all the offers on this podcast for our sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. So, Dan, um, we're, we're talking about this defensive turnaround. And mm. I'm just curious, purely from whether it's an analytical standpoint, a fan standpoint, or whatever the case may be, and it, whether it's in entertainment value or whatever, what is sort of the thing that you, has really caught your eye? What have you really enjoyed? Is it the pass rush stepping up? Is it some of the young players in the secondary improving? 
maybe with some of the changing roles that they've had the last couple of weeks? Is it better linebacker plays sort of when you're watching these last two games on Sunday with this defense performing at the level it did, what was the thing that, you know, gave you the most, most joy? Um, I think the two things that have really excited me or at least in, it perked my interest when I'm watching these last two games and then g- going back and rewatching the first eight um, was the, the the blitzing, the blitzing that have that has come from the safety position, the corners, the linebackers. It's not just, uh, you know, your dad's pass rush where maybe you send a linebacker and you have four on the line and traditional defensive linemen from the edges come and wreak havoc. That is not the the current situation going on with Atlanta. They've become much more creative. You saw DeMonte KZ, Ricardo Allen. Uh, you saw Devondre Campbell over these last two games. You, uh, you, know, you saw Vic Beasley coming in and blitzing. You saw defensive linemen drop into coverage, and then they blitz mostly linebackers and are able to get to the – to the uh, to the quarterback, so it's it's interesting from a visual standpoint, from a schematic standpoint, to see these blitzes that you would only see a couple of times a game, you know, from the early part of 2019, and then you know backwards, you'd only see these blitzes ever so often. But now that Raheem Morris and Jeff Ulbrich are kind of working under Quinn and kind of adapting some new stuff into it. Um, you're seeing more cover two, you're seeing more uh, cover zero, you're seeing some, yeah, a, a little bit of cover one, um, but you're you're seeing blitzing coming from different places. And then my, my second real quick thing is I, I am so happy that Isaiah Oliver is finding his footing. And I know a lot of people were very um, anti-Oliver over the last couple of weeks uh, just because, you know, a lot of fans have given up on the season and, and kind of are looking at the Okuda kid from uh, Ohio State. And of course, you know, uh, the grass is always greener on the other side for most fans. And in this case, the actual statistic and the actual presence of uh, a rookie corner comes into effect where it takes time for these guys to develop. I remember Desmond Trufant back in the day not looking like a superhero. Um, And Robert Alford, we can go on a tangent about that for hours, but let's keep it to a minimum. yeah, Oliver's finally coming into his own, and I'm enjoying that. So I'm enjoying I'm enjoying seeing the younger guys finally making a name for themselves, and I'm enjoying the the new look from the Falcons' defense, especially the blitzing. Um, you know, the defense gets the headlines, but I think a, a sort of underrated storyline has been that the offense has also improved these last couple of games. They certainly don't look like a juggernaut. We saw that you know, on Sunday where they, they got created, the defense created four turnovers and the offense only generated three points off of that. And I think the like the league average around like points off of turnovers is about like 3.3 or three and a half points off of turnovers. So with four takeaways, you the team should have scored 14 points, but they only got three. So obviously that's a little underwhelming, but you know, we've seen strides from the offense. We saw them able to run the football against the Saints last week. We saw the play-action passing game be very effective against the Panthers. That's been something I've been harping on this podcast all season long, like get more play-action, <laughs> get more play-action. We, we saw Calvin Ridley, you know, who's been relatively quiet this year uh, relative to sort of expectations going into the season, had another great game against Dante Jackson, who is his son at this point in time in their collective NFL careers. Um, so we've seen this defense play really lights out. Are we? Are you expecting this offense to start to get to the level that I think you know most of us 
thought this team was capable of being going into the season, which is one of the better offenses in the league. And if that happens, you have, you know, a defense that's playing at a high level an offense that's playing at a high level. And we're going to start to see a version of the 2019 Falcons that I think a lot of us thought we would see from the, the jump, uh, at least for these next couple of games. I don't think it's realistic to say that Dirk Cutter and company, and I know there's company behind that because there's other guys that are running the uh, the the running game plan and you know how the tight ends are doing things. Dirk is actually taking a hands off approach on that. Um, I think it's unrealistic to try to pretend or in or uh, you know fantasize that this offense is going to return to any form whatsoever of the 2016 offense. And we should get that out of our heads right now. Um, that should have been something we never thought of at the beginning of this season. And I know a lot of fans listening to this are probably uh, you know going, no, no, I, I wasn't thinking that was going to be the case. We would probably be something like the, you know, the 2017, 2018 offense that, you know, it was decent and it put up big numbers. And I just think that what Dirk Cutter is doing for this team is okay for now, but every week he's going to, he's going to leave some certain parts of the game plan out. Again, uh, we did a heavy run against the New Orleans Saints and it worked, but Later, we learned that apparently Dirk Cutter uh, was very hands-off with calling the offense that game. It was uh, more, what was that, Chris Morgan, who's running the O-line and tight ends and, and, and the run game specialties. So, And then in this game, the Carolina Panthers uh, offense, or excuse me, the Carolina Panthers, Panthers defense and their DBs are just not very good. <laughs> so um, they've always had problems with Julio Jones. They've always, always had problems with Calvin Ridley. And we took advantage of that again. Uh, so I don't, I don't expect this Falcons offense to suddenly blow up and you know take over the world. But can it be a top twenty, top fifteen offense for the rest of the year? Uh, definitely, definitely, especially since the opponents that we're are are beatable in those senses. Like we can we can micromanage things, compartmentalize some things, and 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 work well. But I don't think this this offense is ever going to just seamlessly run and throw the ball. There's going to be some games where the running game is just non-existent and we're all here scratching our head and banging the table and why are we not running? And there's going to be games where uh, we're heavy running like we saw with New Orleans and uh, and the passing game just doesn't seem to really get off. And that's, that's because this team, I think, is just concentrating on opponent to opponent instead of what their identity is. I don't think the Falcons offense necessarily has an identity yet i think it's actually still a week-to-week process for them with a lot of talented players on this roster so while we're going to try to figure out what the falcons offensive identity is going to be for the rest of the season i do also want to get dan's thoughts on what this team has left to play for the rest of this 2019 season but before we get there i do want to remind you guys that there is an nba side to this locked on podcast network where you can find a daily podcast devoted to all 30 NBA teams including the Atlanta Hawks with the Locked on Hawks podcast hosted by Brad Rowland find it on whatever your favorite podcast platform is that you're listening to this podcast on whether that's Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home, but I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found 
Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. The last little tidbit that I want to get you on is, um, you know, what is there left to play for? I've seen a lot of talk (laughs) among the fans about, you know, playoffs and whatnot. And, you know, I, I thought it was interesting looking at some of the numbers from like football outsiders out there uh, that basically currently have the Falcons at a 0.1% chance of making the playoffs this year, which is a actually a 0.1% improvement from where it was a week ago after this uh, <laughs> Panthers win. So they went from zero to 0.1 with this win. Um, so personally, I, you know, I not to sit here and say that the, the numbers say it all, but it, it seems like in the NFC, you know, even if the Falcons run the table, nine and seven is not going to be good enough to make the playoffs, uh, barring some craziness happening with several uh, current wild card front runners. Um, so at least, you know, maybe maybe you're still holding out hope for a, a possible playoff run. But I'm, I'm curious, sort of, if you're not, what else do you are looking for this team to play for? Is it simply pride? Is it simply, you know, being a spoiler for teams like Carolina? New Orleans, uh, San Francisco later in the season, throwing off, you know, some of this playoff seating for some of these teams, if they can manage to beat those teams, are they simply, simply playing for to try to save Dan Quinn's job? What are you looking at for this team the rest of the way? Well, really quickly, I wanted to address the Dan Quinn saving his job thing. I think it's um, Arthur Blank, I don't think has set a bar for them as a coaching staff GM all the way down for where they need to be as far as a mark to be able to stay with this team. I think there probably has been some decisions made in the front office, in some secret rooms that we will probably never see in our entire lives um, about the direction of this team and where it's going dependent on their wins and, and player improvement and scheme improvement. Um, so I don't know if Dan Quinn will be here at the end of the season. Um, so I kind of want to tune out of the players playing to save Dan Quinn's job because I don't think that that's in the cards. I don't think that's why they're playing because if it was to save Dan Quinn's job, I think that maybe some of the players would probably already have said, okay, the season's done because if we're just trying to play to save this guy's job or, you know, his career here with Atlanta, um, you know, there are some selfish individuals and I know that this team probably has a couple of guys that, would much rather go ahead and, and look forward to free agency versus, you know, playing hard for the team. So I, I definitely want to step away from that. But I think a fan's perspective is, you know, they're playing for pride or they're, uh, you know, they're playing to uh, uphold the value and tradition of, of, you know, wins matter more than just tanking and, and losing and going and get a, a, a draft pick. I don't think that that's on their minds. If it was, then they would have, you know, never put Matt Ryan out there week one and we would have gone 0 and 16. 
if that was the case, if they wanted a high draft pick. Um, I think the, the realization that every fan needs to have is that this team is looking to go to the playoffs or at least make noise down the road to spoil other teams' chances to make the playoffs. I know we play San Francisco. I know we still have to play New Orleans. If we can affect that in any way, shape, or form um, and potentially either hurt those teams' playoff chances or hurt their positioning, which gives them a harder or tougher time, that's what this team is about right now. They're about winning football games. Uh, that's all they're thinking about. I think the fan perspective, like I said, is is you're playing for draft position or you're trying to save Dan Quinn's job. I don't think that that's on the players' minds. The real, the reality here, the realism here, is that these players are um, playing for self improvement, playing to go to the to the playoffs, playing to uh, have a winning record this year because that's their job. They're paid to do that. Um, so. I think Falcons fans will probably not want to hear it, but this team isn't looking to tank, nor are they looking to just lie down and let the Bucks two more times, the Panthers, the Jags, the San Francisco 49ers, or the New Orleans Saints beat them in any of the coming games that are going forward. I mean, the, the Falcons are looking to win games. So for all of you that are, you know, the chase for, you know, Chase Young or, you know, the drive up there to go get AJ C or whatever his name is, um, AJ E, excuse me, um, or to go get, you know, Derek Brown or whatever. I think that's kind of, um, they're not thinking about that. None, none of that matters to them. They're, they're looking to win games, honestly. Yeah. No, I think that's a great point. I mean, they are professional football players and stress the word professional. There's their job to go out there and, and play as well as they can each and every Sunday to try to win football games. So, they are professionals for a reason, and many of them get paid yeah. a lot of money to be professionals. And I know sometimes we watch them play, and we're like, these are professionals uh, with, with how they play some <laughs> of these games this season. But, like, you know, eventually they, they, they figure it out. So I think that's a great point there, Dan. Uh, are there any other tidbits that you want to add before we close out today's show? Yeah, I I do want to quickly state this. I I know a lot of people have been down – and out about the way that our, our defense has played, especially pass rushers. And I do know that a lot of people have been quick and everything should be fired and the house should be cleaned. And I guess just my one quick message is that when you, when you fire a coaching staff and you begin to just, I guess, clean the swamps or, or, you know, uh, uh, open the floodgates to trying to get rid of all of these things so that you can add all these new coaches and players and whatnot. Um, that's more fantasy than it is reality. When it comes down to uh, players potentially getting contracts this next year, um, guys like Vic Beasley going to free agency and Austin Hooper, who's injured right now and potentially could be getting a contract and um, you know, the offensive line and who potentially could be cut and whatnot. I think this team right now, when you when you talk about firing head coaches or firing GMs or getting your your favorite guy like Lincoln Riley or you're thinking about getting a guy you know uh, uh, Rex Ryan or whoever, um, that the moment that you do that you start the cycle all over again. That this is not a winning program with only Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, and then everybody else gets dumped because Rex Ryan doesn't want them or Lincoln Lincoln Riley doesn't want Matt Ryan or 
you know, we don't have Thomas Mitroff and a new GM comes in here and he uh, muffs up the cap. You've got to stay calm in these situations. And I know it's really hard for, for uh, the fan base to do so because we have a very vibrant fan base, as you know, Aaron. It's better to weigh on the side of caution and allow things to develop and grow. Um, a good analogy for it is that when you're growing an apple tree, just because it didn't give you apples the first year that you put it into the ground does not mean that later down the road it will it will develop and it will sprout apples. Um, it takes time to develop this, and I know a lot of people are angry that it's taken so long, but we were just in a Super Bowl in 2016, and we had an opportunity to go back to the playoffs and make more noise only about a year ago. So this team, I think, and the leadership that's there, you're seeing improvements because you have a good coach that understands that there were there were issues. He needed half a year to be able to get it done. It doesn't take two weeks to figure out the problems with your team. And it doesn't only take five years to build a winning program. Sometimes it takes longer. Go look at Dabo Sweeney in Clemson. And that program took 10 plus years to make it done and get to you know a national championship and, and win it all. Go look at the New England Patriots. For a long time, they were... Uh, you know, losers. They they were terrible, and it wasn't until Bill Belichick got in there. Um, less of a better analogy, but um, Bill Belichick was able to come in and he took time and develop that roster. And they've won multiple Super Bowls because they took the time to keep Belichick, even in the years where they lost Super Bowls or they didn't make it. Um, they continue to strive for greatness. So, Falcons fans, I would I would ask you to just be patient. Um, be be open to all different things that could potentially happen because like Aaron uh, uh, probably thinks and, and I'm thinking right now, um, this is not a quick fix. This is um, this is football any given Sunday. Um, the Falcons could run the entire table, make it into the playoffs and go to the Super Bowl, or they could not win, win a single game from this point on, uh, but they retain Dan Quinn and then we make a run next year. So always be open for everything and have patience because I think that's important. I would agree 100% with that, Dan. I, I think those are great words to live by. Um, let the people know um, what you guys got going on at Unintentional Grounding. What other you know, breakdowns for the listeners that may not be familiar with what you do over there, where they can find you and all that, to, uh, all that type of jazz. Yeah, you can uh, check me out on YouTube at Unintentional Grounding. Uh, check out our Falcons film breakdowns as well as our weekly uh, live shows on YouTube, as well as check us out on Twitter and Instagram at UNGR underscore show on both of those platforms, as well as on Twitch. You can find us at Unintentional Grounding, where we do uh, college film breakdowns, as well as some video gaming for you guys. Um, and just live and open discussion on any topics that you guys would like to talk about. I have uh, a Matt Ryan film breakdown that should be coming out in a little while. Just me kind of talking over some of his uh, his throws this year, the good ones and the bad ones. And that's just kind of discussing where we go from here over the next couple of years with Matt Ryan. And what can we do to supply uh, better play calling or better protection for Ryan going forward? Um, as well as a defensive film breakdown over the last two weeks of what the Falcons did a little bit differently uh, with their players and how they were able to find success 
uh, not only with some of the players that are uh, uh, quote unquote, do not have dog in them like Vic Beasley, but also do things with Grady Jarrett and Ricardo Allen in strong safety. So that was, uh, that's kind of what I'm going to be doing over the next week and, and whatnot. But thank you for having me on Aaron. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. I'm uh, glad that you can come on and, and share your perspective. I know there are many subjects that we agree on things. There's some subjects that we disagree on things. And so I like, you know, I know people listen to this podcast and may from time to time get tired of my takes and would like to hear an <laughs> alternate perspective or at the very least have somebody else come on and, and say exactly the same things I've been saying. And I'm like, see, I told you guys that <laughs> what I was saying was on point. Dan agreed with me. If Dan and I agree on this thing, then you know we're right on this subject. So, um, yeah, I appreciate you coming on, Dan, and, and look forward to having future conversations, certainly uh, when we get into the off season, uh, depending on what changes will or won't happen. I uh, certainly will be plenty of conversations that we can have and plenty of topics to discuss uh, come this offseason. So I appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your thoughts with me on, on today's episode. Of course. Anytime, sir. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure to come on here um, and have a nice little discussion with you and really, uh, you know, not just educate the fans, but also just kind of um, tell it how it is. There's not a lot of places that uh, kind of just tell it exactly how it is and just lay it down bare bones. Absolutely. All right, Dan, I appreciate it. Um, and um, we'll be talking soon. All right. Take it easy. Okay, guys, there you guys have it. Appreciate Lieutenant Day coming on, talking with me, giving his perspective on a variety of subjects. And we will be back uh, tomorrow, should be back with a crossover episode, talking with the Locked On Box hosts to uh, preview this upcoming Jameis Winston versus Raheem Morris versus Dirk Cutter rematch sort of game. Uh, with the Bucks, a lot of interesting storylines. My boy Bruce Arians over there. So a lot of interesting things to talk about on tomorrow's episode. And uh, if you guys have any questions, comments, suggestions, anything that you want to send me, any type of feedback that you want to provide, you can do so. I'm on Twitter at Falcons, but if it's podcast related, just send it over to the show's Twitter handle, Locked on Falcons. Of course, if you prefer Facebook as your social media platform locked on falcons name of the page there and of course the email address for those of you that spurn social media like the good humans that you are you can find that email address at locked on falcons at mail.com until then you are locked on falcons your daily podcast on the atlanta falcons part of the locked on podcast network your team every day hey prime members you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.